Welcome to the first episode of Relatable Luxury, where we're going to speak on business, family, and the most important thing is working with your spouse. I am Dan Cruz, one of your hosts, but here I have her, the queen herself, the founder of Petite Seats. Oneida Cruz. Woo! <laughs> Ah, there was a, a quick round of applause. <laughs> that was the quickest round of applause ever. Do it again. So, thank you guys for listening. Today's episode, we're going to jump right into That's why right. petite seats work mm-hmm. and what we've done in the over eight and a half years of being in business. But I think we first have to understand or explain what petite seats is you know it sounds cute it's very chic but we do a lot and we've done a lot in a space that really didn't exist before we came to the market so i want to know from you how would you describe petite seats as a brand Mm, luxury you know when i when you first started the business i always was you know i was second guessing myself on what would it be what it would look like mm-hmm. just coming out the house with your first uh, i believe there were white chirari chairs exactly 30 it was 30 and i remember just traveling but when i saw the chairs the chairs spoke to me <laughs> okay no they were fancy they were fancy they you were th- fancy I, I was gonna say fancy but you beat me to it but they, they spoke to me the chairs spoke to me and when i saw it I was like, wow, okay. This is different. Here she goes up to something else. Exactly. And I feel like, so we entered the market with these 30 white chairs. We ain't had no tables. Mm-mm. It was something that the clients, you know, pretty much demanded. Like, how are you going to rent chairs with no tables? So right. that came after we had the chairs. And I didn't even think that it would be for like over the top kids parties, right? I know that I wanted to price high because it was something that was that didn't exist and I wanted it to be a premium product to offer like these over the top kids chairs for kids events and pretty much as we marketed it for that we got these huge parties like the first year in business we did LeBron James's first um first birthday for his daughter right and it was like from there it was like okay this is good we can do this we are bringing relatable luxury to this very vast special events industry um and we've created our own lane for kids party rentals yeah when we did lebron james uh daughter birthday party there were at there were some people who asked after like monica didn't she ask monica yeah yeah we had several celebrity clients who inquired and who we serviced um you know thankfully we're in this this metropolitan area of new jersey new york so there are a lot of people who have discretionary funds and they have that name and brand recognition so when they saw something that was very different because we were very different and they wanted to go above and beyond for their babies, we were there. So, so talk to me, you know, when you first started this business, I had so many thoughts, but why did you go into this niche 
And why do you why did you think it would work? So, you know, we um we broke for an education or we both we we used to work in education and I knew that I would the trajectory of that position is you work for 30 years, you get a pension. Right? right so right. you don't work 30 years of your life and you may get what 60k a year as a pension you got to wait another 10 years to get social security and i always had that in the back of my mind you know we're a math teacher so i'm like all right the math ain't mathing it doesn't make sense for me to one commute every day for four hours a day five days a week being away from you guys to still live paycheck to paycheck Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create something that was profitable, but also had the potential to be something bigger. Right. But how back in early 2000s? Well, 2014 is when we started. You had this vision, but prior to that, mm-hmm. uh, prior to that, you had uh, your event planning business. Yep. yep. And so you had that piece of the business going. Then you came with petite seats. Well, event planning was was a money pit, you know, because I couldn't, I didn't price correctly to get those clients. I mean, yes, I had some very good clients that had nice budgets, but in general, I was spending my money. I remember. You know? I remember going on Bounce invest. checks, you know, just so many things. Um, it just wasn't feasible for me to continue with that business because I spent so much of my money trying to produce events for other people. And of course, now I know all the things I did wrong, but it just wasn't working anymore. Got it. So here we are in 2022. We we started early 2000s. I remember in early 2000, starting the event planning. Yep. uh, 2008. um, No, 2006 is when we started. Right. Yeah. Which turned into petite seats. Right. Now here we are in 2022 on why petite works for us mm-hmm. or, or how why, we make it work or how do we make it work? Yeah. But let's talk about the covenant we made to make this business solvent. I get it. So we, I feel like we're very unconventional, right? We don't fit like the traditional gender roles for a family. Um, and I think we should talk about that because many people that are in business, that don't necessarily like we didn't necessarily go into this together it was my idea i basically worked it and basically you were taking care of home right right so that was very different you know sometimes when you see couples who are in business together they're both working the business and that's something that's very recent for us so prior to this year it was me focused on the business while you focus on home right but it but me focusing on home has always been this way mm-hmm. where because, because of how I worked in the city, right? You worked in the city. I worked in New Jersey, you worked in New York city in Manhattan. And so me having to take the kids to either my mother's house yep. or my grandmother's house. And then afterwards they were going to school. So I was traveling up and down the garden state parkway while you were traveling through the Lincoln or GW or Holland tunnel. Yep. But that was part of the reason why I, you know, was always home with the kids. Yeah. Uh, but then that turned into having you work the business because most of the clients mm-hmm. 
We're in New York City or yeah. Brooklyn or Long Island. Yep. So that and was that hasn't changed. And it hasn't changed. No. Right. It hasn't changed. But that took a strain. Yeah. In our relationship. Mm-hmm. So talk about that piece where we had our struggles as a married couple because of just us being away from each other right. for so much. Not just for the business, mm-hmm. but you also had your full-time job. Yeah. Not just one, you had two or yeah. three. I think I had three at the time. I was coaching. I was doing. Yeah. Co- yeah. I was coaching two different sports, teaching at the college, which I still do, teaching at the time, and then. So you had as many jobs as I had. So speak speak about that piece of the, the equation. I feel like you know, in anything that you and I say we're gonna do, it doesn't matter what the entry to or the barriers to entry are. We're gonna do it. So I knew that I needed to build this brand to be something that would allow us to be where we are today, right? Where the business is what we do. Everything else is secondary um, when it comes to having access to funds or whatever. So in order to do that, I had to, I felt I had to be at every and any event that was brought to me, right? Any and every event that was my ideal client. Let me preface that because in the beginning, I was doing all kinds of parties in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, in Washington Heights with parties, kids party over 2 a.m. You know, I was doing that because I felt like I had to find who this ideal client was. And of course, with time and trial, I realized I didn't want to do that. So we got very specific about who we were servicing and where our clients um, live, what they look like, how they spent their money, all of that stuff. So we did all of that market research. And with that, it allowed me to say, all right, these people got money, they're spending money on their kids, and I'm getting repeat business. So how am I going to better service them? And at that time, because I was working, it was, let me get these new products in, let me be on the current trends, of what's happening in this kids party world and bring it to them at the the price point, a premium price point um, so that I can see a profit. Right. And people thought you were crazy. I wouldn't say people thought I was crazy. I think people just didn't see the vision. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when I would tell people, even now, like we went to a networking event, what, yesterday and two days ago, two days ago. And I'm, and we're telling people we have a kids party rental company and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. What's that? So, you know, my first inclination is to take out the Instagram page. This is what we do. Right. And they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, I've never seen anything like this right. before. Because it's fancy. It's fancy. It's luxury. it's luxury. But it's still relatable because everybody has kids parties. Right. Right. So they've been to a kids party and now they're going to make that connection. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, I remember talking to such and such and they had a company that does elaborate kid stuff. Right. So that's the piece that um, I don't even remember what the question was, but that's the piece that was very important to me is just to make it something, make it a brand that people, a sought after brand that people will constantly use over and over again. So let's talk about the vision, because at the early in early stages of this business, Mm -hmm. when you brought the vision to my attention, I was one of those people like another thing that we got to do. I'm not sure. And it went from you went from the event planning where I was helping and then you just totally 
started doing this other thing. And, right. It was a hard stop. Right. It was a hard stop. And then you went from 20 chairs to, I believe you went from the white chairs to the gold chairs. Then ghost, then, then cross goes, back. And then it kept going. And I'm like, where are all these chairs coming from? Where are we going to store them? I mean, I remember coming to the house and they're up and down the yeah. living room, the, the foyer, <laughs> outside in the garage, driveway. They were everywhere. Right. right. So, here you are now in 2022. Eight and a half years in. Eight and a half years in. How do you feel about leaving your job a couple years ago? Was it a couple years ago? No, it's almost 14 months. 14 months. Because what a lot of people don't know, mm-hmm. you were a school administrator. Yep. In so, New York City. So was I. And we're going to talk about that piece. But you had a career electrical engineering degree mm-hmm. from Penn State University. Okay, give them all my business. <laughs> hey, you got to let them know. Penn State University, okay. a Nittany Lion, electrical <laughs> engineer. Yep. You went into teaching. To be with you. To be with me. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Thank you. To move to New Jersey. Then you stayed in education for 16 years. And within that 16 years, 18 years, 18 years, get the years right. But within those 18 years, yes, you always had a business model. Always that whole. So how I always saw business, I mean, my career that nine to five was I was going to always use that money to leverage my passions mm-hmm. always. So it didn't matter what it was. I was going to use my career, that nine to five, to funnel money into whatever business I was doing. So, of course, it was the, it was the event planning in the beginning. And then when I saw that being like a money pit, I said, you know, this ain't it. This is not working. I, I didn't reach the success I thought I should have reached in that, like, say, five-year period or six-year period that I was doing it. So I was like, okay, I got to stop. Right. And during that period, you met a, you met a lot of folks in the industry. Yeah. I mean, I was doing a lot of events in Maryland. So it was splitting attention between, you know, home in New Jersey and back home in, in Baltimore. And then I don't remember what exactly happened or like what was the event, the culminating event that was just like, all right, I'm done with this. But it was just thinking that. Or put it this way, I would see people, event planners come in that came into the industry after me and reach this level of success that I felt I should have been at. Mm. And I'm just like, all right, yeah, no, it's a rut. It's a wrap. It's a dub. Let's move on to something else that I can make a stamp on and I haven't seen it before. Mm. So now during that time, you started to become a little bit successful with the rental game. Yeah. And you found yourself overwhelmed, mm-hmm. busy, mm-hmm. away from home, mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you wanted a business partner. I did. And you asked several people. Well, let, no, back up. It was when I started this business, I asked several people. Like I, right. from the onset, I said I, it's not something that I felt I could do by myself. So I went in with this. Remember, I had a business plan and everything. Mm-hmm. I, my business plan included partners, and I just knew that the scope of what I was thinking, the scope of what I envisioned, 
I couldn't do it by myself. But look what happened. I ended up doing it by myself. But I remember, yes, you started you started by yourself, ended up doing it by yourself. But I remember telling you, just saying so many times, mm-hmm. mm, don't worry about it because when you get bigger, you're going to have to split your 50-50. Do you really want to split 50-50? Right. When you get, you know, when you get where you want to go and, and look and look at you now. Yeah. So, but, but, but. There are some caveats in that statement because to me, and I guess just, just how I think is this community mindset is if I had a business partner, just one other person that we went in together, year eight, I feel like if, if, the, if the partnership worked, year eight would be very different, mm-hmm. right? Like because I did so much of this by myself, I kept a very conservative outlook on business. Mm-hmm. Meaning I was not going to go all in spending $30,000 on inventory from China, you know, bringing in 40 foot containers. I wasn't going to do that because I had to manage that. You know, like we were home based business up until last year. You know, I wasn't going to jump in and get a warehouse space from the very beginning and not be able to pay the bills or struggle to pay the bills. Um, So there were a lot of things that I made a conscientious decision to do. Uh, like to be conservative because, you know, it was on, it was on me. Right. So everything was on you with the business at the time, but there was, there were many things that allowed the situation to play out the way it did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So me being home, taking care of the house, yep. cooking, cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you ain't cook, but yes. Well, I cooked a lot of the times. Well, put it this way. You cook, but the food was in the house. The food was in the house. Okay. But yes, the food was in the house because you went in grocery shopping because I, I just hate grocery shopping. You're right. Uh, I still I still don't like going, going, going grocery shopping. But the kids came. The first daughter came in 2011. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, two years later. Yep. And by then, the business started to evolve. Yes. When you started to think about the business mm-hmm. and evolved. Well, and I think by the time, remember, we started, Nels was a year old. Our second mm-hmm. was a year old when um, I started because she's born April. And that's when I said, this is go. Right. So... I would so their primary years because Daniela was two was me working the business right being away from home pretty much all weekend, you know, on the road and then um, right when we hit that sweet spot of getting those that ideal client that I had been you know wishing for, boom, here comes Pito. I'm pregnant with baby number three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. when I said to myself, because that was what? That was year three of business. No, that was year four of business. And I said to myself, you know, I want to stay home. I don't want to go back to work. And I also want to run this business. So at that point, that's when I started to plan the trip to China, right? I said to myself, okay, I need to hit suppliers where they are. How am I going to do that? How am I going to take petite seats from being this run-of-the-mill, you know, Oneida has tables and chairs to being a brand where everybody knows petite seats? And that was because I was home, I was able to sit and be still. 
and I was on bed rest for a, 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 a several weeks towards the end of the pregnancy, I had time to sit and focus on developing the brand, right? Because in the beginning, it was just working, not really thinking and being strategic, even though I had the business plan. So at year four, it was, okay, we have to make this something bigger than what it is. And what does that look like? Right. So in year four, we have two kids. Three. Three. Sorry. Mm -hmm. We have three beautiful kids at the time. But prior to that, we had two. Yeah. And prior to that, we had one. <laughs> Math teacher, thank you. <laughs> prior to that, we had zero. But us being together, and because there were a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. And you were home away a lot. And so talk about how I was able to you know, be there for you without being there. I feel like we made a, a covenant very on early on in our relationship, even before business, that we were going to have clearly defined roles. And those roles were not going to look like a traditional role, right? We were going to, as you always say, play to your strengths. Whatever our strengths were, that is what we would always focus on in our relationship. And so when I told you, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, you never said to me like, um, okay, but like, what does that look like? You were just like, all right, what, like, what do you need me to do? And I explained to you, you know, it's weekend parties. Like I'm going to be away on the weekends. And because I work in the city, it's going to be, oh no, what I said, I think at that time, because I wasn't working like a, a part-time, actually I was, you remember I was working Saturdays. Um, at, for the for the school, right. so I I would say to you, you know, like I'll commit to being like away Saturday and Sunday, but I'll try to be home in the evenings mm -hmm. by four, right? And so I feel like in the beginning that sort of worked, and then business picked up, and right. it was like, okay, Oneida's always out, right. always in the street. But what worked for us is that even though I was away, we would be on the phone for like three four hours a day. Right. And we still t right. we still do that. And we weren't physically there, but I still was aware of what was happening. Um, you would keep me in that loop. But it was also whatever it is you were feeling or the angst that you would have. We were able to talk about it. We were able to speak about it. Even if I wasn't physically in the space, you still let me know what was happening. And when it was a time for me to pause or whatever, OK, I'll take some time from work. So we can do that. The good thing about being education, we, we work 182 days. Right. Right. So there was the summers off. There were um, the, the holiday breaks that were off. So there was time when we were able to pause um, as a teacher. Now, all of that shifted when I became an administrator. Right. When because we, when we both became. An administrator. We, right. At the same friggin time. And so our time. Well, yours was a little bit different, but my time um, because it, I felt like the need to approve myself in business, I mean, in um, my career, I spent a lot more time at work than right. I was before. And so that was also a strain. Um, for us, I feel like it was a, a good thing that the babies were smaller because, yes, they had, you know, mommy. They wanted mommy um, and the FaceTime and everything allowed us, allowed me to see them. But they also understood that, you know, this is the brand and that had to happen in order for me to be home right now. 
it happened, but this is an important conversation because this is why Patisi works. Mm. This is why the business was where it is now because it was unconventional, right? I was the one home taking care of kids and cooking right. for right. them and et cetera. And you were out there in the business world. Well, that's because we said that we right. didn't want someone else raising the kids. Right. Where in a conventional way, I would be the one out there mm-hmm. every day and you'd be Or home. both of us. Or both of us. Right. Right. And we did and, and wherever we went, wherever you went, I went, the kids went. So the yeah. kids wasn't they weren't alone. There were plenty of times where we they went to deliver with us. Right. So talk to the audience a little bit more about your career as an administrator and how it shifted to full time mm. the tea seats. Child, that's a whole story. So in a nutshell, I was working as a teacher in the same building that I was promoted um, as an administrator. And everybody will tell you that's not what you do. If you're going to get promoted, you move to a new school. Um, And I didn't do that. So there was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of envy. And of course I saw it. It was very transparent. And I was working in a space with... uh, principals who that wasn't you know they didn't care it wasn't right. a priority for them so long story short i had my business i've always had my business but when i was in a, t- a teacher it wasn't a problem mm-hmm. no issue but when i moved to this administrative space the same people that knew i had a business were now watching me as if i'm doing something illegal right they were watching you on instagram everywhere everywhere yeah so it became a psychologically unsafe space to be at work and be an entrepreneur, you know, it just, it just wasn't a a good look. Um, and as a result of that, uh, of me, I'm putting quote unquote, my charges, cause they basically brought up charges against me, um, in order for me to be demoted from my position. The charges were stealing time. The charges were conflict of interest. And there was one other, uh, I can't remember at this point, uh, but basically that's what it was. And it was through the efforts of my colleagues that would take pictures, report and do whatever. Um, and you know, thankfully it happened. I was demoted. I was, uh, basically removed from my building, um, demoted back to the teacher line. And that's when it was just like, I won't say I was depressed, but it was just like, damn, like, what we doing now? Right, but clarify, they were taking pictures of chairs and tables in your car. Yeah. Yes, because I, what happened was I stopped driving my SUV and I started to drive the silver van right. to work. So it was just like, well, why is she coming with this big-ass van, you know, to work as if I'm doing business doing a work day? And that was not the case. You know, right. I, oh, this is what the biggest one is. So I came to work on my day off basically I, I called out and I came to the building and someone dropped off chairs to me and it was on camera and that was basically their the basis for their um, argument on how to basically say I was stealing time or whatever um so yeah so all of that happened and then COVID hits so not only am I in this space like you know I'm not going to the city every day for what like it's like a war zone in in Manhattan I have to figure out a pivot. I need another move. You know, they took me from this position. I now have to figure out what's going to be best for me 
mentally to move on. Am I going to stay here and get this six figure check? Um, Cause even though I was demoted, I was still making like 110 K as a teacher, or am I going to go full throttle with this business? And what mm-hmm. the heck does that look like? Mm-hmm. So that's when I came home and I'm like, we got to sell this house. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we thought about selling the house prior to that. Yeah. We, we, because uh, you wanted a warehouse. Yep. And uh, you pretty much wanted the warehouse and we were paying $20,000 in taxes. Yes. And we weren't going to pay $20,000 in taxes and pay a higher mortgage and not send the kids to school. Um, So we end up, we end up, uh, we end up selling. But that was part of the covenant that we made. That was part of the conversations that we, we've had prior to us selling or leaving a job or le- or me leaving my job where we talked about a plan and we always had a plan whether but i think w- that the the straw that broke the camel's back to get us to light up like a fire under our butts was me losing that position because at that point it was just like all right this ain't even worth it let's figure right. out what we're doing but figure it out from a lens of living below our means right but by that time the business were was booming oh yeah the business, business was booming by that time because we converted our garage our yes. we had four car garage we converted that into a into a mini warehouse yes we did so we did we did it we sold the house mm-hmm. we got the warehouse we got we purchased another house but that was all part of the plan yeah and and i'm not going to sit here and say that it was an easy plan that you know we're the perfect couple in the whole wide world we we did have disagreements and we did have some arguments mm-hmm. regarding decisions that we were going to make or decisions that you made and you brought it up to the table or I made I brought it up to the table mm-hmm. uh so there was there were many you know disagreements yeah um, but our disagreements were never about money like we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't fight about um the cost of things i would say so to speak you know a lot of couples they have disagreements about finances and i don't think that was our issue outside of the fact that we were paying a lot for that house we were living in and and it was just like this is not making sense anymore and in order for us to not feel like we're working hands what's the say what's the saying hand to mouth or we're working paycheck to paycheck even with a successful business, we have to get out of this this house. We have to downsize. To, it's not even a downsize because we have a smaller house, but we did not lose any of the amenities or luxuries that we had before. Right. And we have a whole lot, a simpler lifestyle. Right. But, you know, when we we start a conversation with petite seats, why it works. Mm-hmm. And, and it's simple. It, it works because we're, we're business partners. Yes family mm-hmm. and what else and we 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 don't move on until an issue is resolved right you know like it's it's even if it's like beating a dead horse with you because you want to take five days to answer a question we don't it's not a compounded thing like it's never going to be a issue that lingers for weeks mm-hmm. we're going to nip it in the bud it may take a week but it's going to get done and then we're going to move on and we come both of us come to the table, like we said before, with very distinct strengths and weaknesses. And so we are able to fill in each other's, right. the gaps. We, yeah, 
I think that's a, I think that that is what makes us a strong unit yeah. because I play to your weaknesses and you play to my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Everyone has weaknesses, and but you have to be able to you know accept or acknowledge well, room, your weaknesses. We don't call them weaknesses. We're gonna call them room for growth. Room for growth, whatever okay. you want to call it. Yes. Like I hate shopping. I would never want to go school. You know, food shopping. That's yeah. Something that you're gonna you know would want to do. But there's th- things that I like to do. Right. I like to clean. I. And you like to grocery shop. You like to. And that works in this space because right. this warehouse does not get organized unless you do it. Right. And but to to the flip side, you take care of of a lot of other things. Yeah. You know, so it's just not one-sided. This is a, a I think for us is it's pretty much I know some people say that there's no such thing as 50-50. Mm-hmm. But I think for us is it really is a 50-50. Yeah, they might well, be Well, we're given 100% right. of a part of something to right. make it a whole. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there might be some areas where you give 80% because that's your strength as right. you know within the marriage uh but then fast forward mm-hmm. I became an administrator right well you know, I became an administrator way back when when 2000 I can't remember 2013 12 yep something like that now in 2022 I resigned from my job this year mm-hmm. in August and your life is great my life is great <laughs> you know but i don't it's not like i miss it because i still teach i still i still right. teach math at, at, at you know community college but it's oh it was always part of the plan i don't know about that i don't I'm know like, yeah, prior i don't know that we both said that we would both resign i feel like life just had to happen that way like i i know for me I knew I wasn't going to work. Put it this way. September of 2021, right? School started, like, say, September 4th or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go back to work. And then I said to myself, I said to you, because we had already sold the house. We're in this other house. The kids are homeschooled. Or we decided to homeschool them again for the second year. And I'm just like... This... Why am I going back to work? But I still... We were still... You know, I was still telling you I'm going back. Mm-hmm. So I took some days. That first week of school was right. there. I didn't report right. to work. And then that Monday, the 14th, I was just like, forget this. And I literally sent my resignation letter in that morning. And I'm just like, it's done. And I feel like that was just a liberating feeling. Because now, this is it. It's petite seats. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. I, I would say... It wasn't always a plan for me to resign. Right. Because, you know, I love my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like, you know, when, you, when you're a school administrator and you reach. In a good situation. In a, yeah, in a great situation that I was in, you don't want to leave the situation. Yeah. Right? And so, and unfortunately for me, I was able to still be a consulting at the charter school yes. where I left. But the turning point for me leaving was when you had the accident. Mm, remember? That was August of right. of last year, 21, right? Right. I remember you calling me, you saying uh, it was uh, it was around, it was probably like 6, 15, 6.15 in the morning. Mm-hmm. We, was, we were staying at the hotel because we were uh, finishing the house. No, yeah. we didn't close on the house yet. Right, right. 
and you were on your way to Long Island. Actually, I remember that night before we you were left me at the storage unit. And it but was don't like, say I left you. No, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey. I said take the kids home. I did. It was it was two. I think it was two thirty in the morning. It was two thirty in the morning. And we were packing the van. And we working. And we we're working. Yeah. And we. I think we had to paint or had to build something mm. at the storage it unit. It was those tables. We were trying to build. We were trying to build hairpin leg tables. Right. And we didn't have the right material. Oh, the legs were too short. And we put it into the U-Haul. Yeah. And you say I'm gonna take a nap. I said okay. But again. That was part of strength. You wanted to be a face-to-face with your clients. Yeah. You wanted that time to, to talk to them, for them to get to know you, and for them to put a face with the brand. Right. So that was, you know, that's something that we discussed. So you making these deliveries, it was always, okay, you're going to be with the kids. I know you're going to take care of them, but I'm going to make these deliveries. I'm going to, you know, stay out here, do this. But that one time, it didn't happen that way. That was the first time I didn't go to sleep. No. Like, usually I will take that 90-minute right. nap or whatever it is before I get on the road. Because I was driving to, long, to Suffolk, to the Hamptons. And that was the first time I drove to the Hamptons ever. Keep in mind, I've done at least 60 trips to the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that I did not sleep. And you called me? Mm-hmm. Called me in the morning. You said, D, I got into an accident. And I'm like, okay, where, where, where are you? And you said, I'm headed to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Where? And I remember waking up the kids, and I probably got there in like 45 minutes. Crazy. Because that's an hour and a half drive. And I, and I don't feel like I was going 90 or 100 miles per hour. Miles per hour. Um, but I got there, and to be told by the police officer, it was two police officers. Mm-hmm. Who was standing outside the room saying, you know, her, the van had flipped about what seven times? It was five. It was five. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke, but it's not a joke. It was right. so I was told it flipped about five times. Yeah. And to see you coming out come out of there without a scratch. Yeah. But then me going to see the van. Yeah. Because you asked for the keys and mm-hmm. you know some of your belongings that were in the van. So for me to go in or ride by the van and see the van, and then I went into the van, not really because it was so it was de- demolished. Where I tried to see if I could see the keys, but it was I got cut. I had, you know, I, you know, I remember being cut because of all the, of the glass. Mm-hmm. But our son mm-hmm. asking. You know, did uh, did mommy die? Right. You know, and that hit home mm-hmm. at that time. Being in Long Island, your son asking you that, and then I'm, you know, trying to keep my composure and I'm like, no, she's fine. We, we we're going to go see her, mm-hmm. and that was the turning point where I said, she can't do this by herself. Mm-hmm. You can't do this by yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that whole year. I struggled being at work, and that's why some of the reasons why I had many issues is because I was always thinking of home, 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 being home with the kids, Mm -hmm. and I didn't perform like I wanted to a thousand percent at work because I was like, all right, I have to go home, I have to do this, 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 and that. So now I'm with you with the business, with the kids, now I'm full-time, everything all over the place, and I had to choose. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a, it was a turning point for me as well because that's when, well, I always knew I couldn't do this by myself. Like, I remember being or delivering to people at like two, three in the morning and saying to myself, like, this is ridiculous. Like, why am I doing this? Because I had so many orders. So it was literally taking me all night to deliver on a Friday night for a Saturday party. Like, this makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's not sustainable. I am not sleeping. I am, it just, it just cannot continue. Right. And, you know, it got to a point where I was resenting the business. Like, I could just go back to work, make my little money, and not have the pressure of having to perform and, you know, do what we're doing. Because a client does not understand when you are tired and you oversleep. They want their stuff. Right. And so that, that accident was a wake-up call for me. Because one, I had one scratch, walked out of that. Mm -hmm. um, it was God saying to me, like, yo, get your stuff together and figure out a way to do this to the best of your ability without compromising your mental sanity and your safety. And two weeks later, mm -hmm. she's back on the road. Yeah, she same was day. Back. Remember, no. we didn't go home. We didn't get home until late. That like ten o'clock, and I was back in the in the saddle the next day because, so that happened that that happened on a no, Saturday. No, you, you got some rest. You got some rest. I remember you got some rest. It didn't just happen, you know. I remember. So Monday, I was back on the road then because I remember we had two days of of Hamptons events. So the Saturday we had events, and then the Sunday we had events, and so I had to go to storage to to basically let somebody deliver the fr the, sen the mm -hmm. Sunday events. So I had to be, you know, out to do that. Well, yeah, back to your point where you when you said the client doesn't care about what's going on, that day that we had that where you had the accident, I had to talk to the client. <laughs> and the client was like, "Well, where are the chairs and where are the tables and they were farm tables." <laughs> it was a lot. It, it was, was a lot. houses, it was everything. And everything was the like one table was split in half. Yeah. And I'm telling the client like, "Look, she just had an accident, life threatening. We can't even get this stuff out the van." And they didn't really care. They was like, "Oh, okay." That's why I did the that is why I did the real Right, because my best friend from, from my childhood best friend was laughing at me. He was like, "You would be the man to be in an accident and shooting content," but I, I I did that on purpose because I had to show the extent of this accident. Like I had to show that van being like an accordion right. for people to understand how real it was. You know, because people say they got an accident. Okay, yeah, they hit the curb and right. the tire bust or whatever like that. But that was not what this was. No, and you mentally was out of it for a couple of weeks, for a few weeks. You were yeah. mentally, i say about a month. Yeah, definitely. You were, you were out of it. And we were living in a hotel in one oh, bedroom. Child. One yeah. bedroom. Uh, but, you know, we, we, I don't think we hit closed. We, did we close? No, no that we was didn't. we didn't close until December. No, to September 1st. Okay, September. And, okay. Yeah, so a few weeks later, we still trying to close. Um, but like everything in life, we have a plan. We have had a plan since uh, you were 18 and I was 18. Mm -hmm. And we talked about our plans. Uh, we, we talked about short-term plans and long-term plans. Yeah. And so... We pretty much operate in long term as well as short term, but every time we do a short term 
plan, we make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we are today with petite seats and how it works and, you know, and how our partnership works and how our covenant, how strong it is. Right. Next, next episode, we'll talk about, you know, who's the boss Mm -hmm. and how hard is it working with each other? Uh, because it's not as easy as people would think. Or... Well, no, don't nobody think it's easy. Anyone who has a spouse that's working together understands that it's not a simple. It's not a simple task. Right. Yeah, because sometimes you give your all and you expect someone else to do it as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but in next episode, we're going to talk about who's the boss and of how course. hard is it to work with each other. And uh, the hurdles to to be two people and 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 because this is another type of marriage, right? We have the the marriage where we've been together for twenty two years, and now we're in this new thing, right? Where it's what three months in, and it's just like, yeah, nah, I'm over it. But at the same time, you still have to remember that this is your best friend, this is your life partner. So you can't black out on him just because he don't know what color paint to paint the table, you know. So there are a lot of things that have to happen in order for the partnership that you have as business owners is is you know right. successful. So next episode again, we'll talk about we, we'll boss. we'll deep dive, we'll deep really 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 dive into. Uh, who's the boss and some of some of the some of our conflicts and some of our re- resolutions that we've yeah, had definitely uh, and some of the times i've been cursed out and some of the times she's been cursed out mm-hmm. um literally <laughs> literally at two o'clock in the morning uh but share our podcast link to our social media follow us on ig uh, it's relatable luxury podcast at relatable luxury podcast on Instagram, right? Which would be on Instagram and YouTube. Yes, so we will definitely um, post all of the videos of the episodes on YouTube, right. and then the audio will be on all streaming platforms for for podcasts. And we invite all of you to send send any ideas or questions. any topics, questions that you would like for us to. Uh, speak about or have a conversation we will also have uh, business uh, owners on the show yes uh, and etc and so we, we'll be here and we will we'll, we'll get this together that's it thank you so much for watching the relatable luxury podcast episode one